When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair. He's his hair on his head and not on his shoulders because he wants to look younger. He doesn't see any wrinkles. Well, wait till you hear what we're going to have for you today on Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. This is Adrian Berg. This is your host. This is the only show that is national syndicated and celebrates aging. So uh, we have a wonderful guest today, an author, and he's going to take your wrinkles away because he's going to make you smile even after loss. And guess what? In the second part of our show, we're actually going to have one of the leading cosmetic and dermatology experts in the world telling us the truth, the fountain of truth about all those Botox shots. Uh, Good, bad, indifferent, how do you get the crepies away? And before we say hello to our author, uh, let me just explain something to you. Yes, I know it's hard to believe in this environment of politics, but there is such a thing as a bipartisan policy center in Washington, D.C., and it's looking at the health of Social Security and Medicare. Now, you know that in 2015, the trustees of the Social Security Act said that the disability portion will be bankrupt by the third quarter of this year, this year, my friends, and that Social Security itself is safe only for the next 10 years. Uh, Obama said it's safe until, 19, until 2042, and Bernie Sanders has a bill in the Committee of Finance that will change it because he is the most happy about and most sanguine about its success, but even he says it's got 19 years to go. So the buy partisan policy centers trying something new. They are looking at at at-home programs, uh, and they have found that when you meld being able to stay at home and the cost savings for that, even for the most disabled of seniors, you save tons of Medicare dollars. And so this is something brand new from the Bipartisan Policy Center. They're finally looking at this with regard to how we actually live as we age and how we can save money. And uh, they are worried by 2034, uh, 74 million Americans, 20% of the population will be over the age of 65, which is why this show is popular. But we will be watching to see how much money is being saved through this experimental phase of at-home support in health care instead of forcing people into nursing homes, and that may itself do a little bit to save Medicare and Social Security. All right, so now, as we keep an eye on all these things in the world for you, what about your own life? It's a wonderful book. It's called Love, Loss, and Awakening, Misadventures on the Way Back to Joy. A beautiful title, a beautiful book. Uh, It's by Dennis P. Freed, who suffered the loss of his beloved wife of over 20 years and managed to get himself back, one way or another, into joy. Thank you so much for being with us, Dennis. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you know, it. You know, Dennis, I wanted you to, to, to talk with us because we rarely hear the voice of a man when it comes to caregiving and when it comes to dealing with their feelings in the forthright way that you've done in Love, Loss, and Awakening. So, so let me start with this. How did you get the guts to write this book? This is a very gutsy book. Um... I was grieving terribly, and I have a wonderful social worker called Betty Krausen, 
she uh, helped my wife and I throughout the full uh, seven plus years of her illness. And uh, she told me to start writing just to cathartically help myself. And I started writing and writing. And I wrote like I would talk to my friends at work and my friends around. And then the chapters started forming and I started showing them to people and they said, we want more. This is great stuff. It is because um, you, you don't hold anything back. I mean, um, you talk about sex. You talk about the inability to have sex while you're a caregiver. You talk about the 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 connection between trust and love. I mean, it's it's a terrifically insightful book, um, and and you do go through a lot of pages of, of the devastation and the loss, and well, as you say, watching someone die. But uh, let's get to the joy part for a second here. How did you start? to accept the fact that you could have another relationship after your wife passed away? Well, I was actually starting to prepare a little bit before uh, she died. Um, I was with my wife 32 years. Actually, it was in second grade, but we didn't talk to each other until after college. (laughs) And, um, you know, she was always beautiful and whatever. And, you know, I was different. She was younger. So we never really got to speak to each other much uh, or ever. That we introduced after college, but uh, I had a truly good relationship. I, you know, great, wonderful. I don't know. Everybody's relationships are up and down, but it was a solid relationship. And I knew I didn't want to be alone. And um, I love companionship. Um, so started preparing a little bit before. Um, and my wife and I spoke about it a little bit, you know, as best as we could. And, and you know, that's how I started preparing. And then, you know, after she died, um, I was grieving terribly. Closest, I was suicidal. I think if it wasn't for my kids, I would have done it in. And then um, uh, one of our, our best friends and one of my good friends, our friends in second grade or her school year, early elementary years, came down with stage four cancer. And I was like, shoot, I've seen so many people die. What am I going to do? Am I either going to live or just grieve for the rest of my life? And I'd go to certain caregiver groups and all the here was everybody complaining and sobbing and it just made me worse and worse. And um, I decided to go ahead and live life. I knew that was what my wife wanted. She was a very positive, very open person. I knew she wanted me to be happy. So you're getting a taste. Yeah, the, my listeners are getting a taste of the honesty of this book, and and this is a raw book, "Love, Loss, and Awakening" by Dennis Freed, the author we're speaking to right now. It's a very raw book. So if you don't want to face what people go through in the first early stages of finding out about a disease and then living through it, seven-year caregiver we're talking to right now, uh, then this may not be the book for you. This book comes with the warning of it's real, but. Almost like in your own life, Dennis, in this book, there is definitely that moment, the moment that you just described, that I actually explained to you. I read in my group that I'm a grief facilitator. I read to the fellow grief facilitators, because most of them have lost, uh, themselves have lost spouses. But that moment came with the decision to live. And then in the book, that moment comes, then it gets very light and funny and insightful as well because you started to reach out to women 
and started to see women. And somebody said, you gotta got to see 100 women. What was all that about, Dennis? Um, it, it was about, um, you know, first of all, I'm very spiritual, uh, and I'm just going to interrupt the question for one second. Yes. And I believe my wife is always looking down at me. And right. I live in the country right now, and right now a bald eagle is perched right outside my window watching me with a fish in its hand. And that has never happened in the three years since this bald eagle has come here. He's okay. just watching. Oh, he's right there. I'm sorry to say that, but it's beautiful. And say, um, don't say anything wrong on the air. <laughs> right? What? <laughs> yeah, no, giving you sorry. a fair warning. Don't say anything wrong on the air. But, but the reason that Dennis may be mentioning this is on the cover of his book is a fish. Yeah. Right. So maybe I, I believe, you know, fish. I go into that in my book about, you know, yeah. think people watching over you from upstairs. So anyway, the 100 woman, um, I was dating and it was tough. And one of the women I dated who was really nice and sweet, but it wasn't going to work out, she just looked at me and says, you know, I'm on a quest just like you, and I figure i got to date over 100 people to find the one. And that's where that 100 number came in. I dated over it. Um, and uh, so that's how that 100 number came in. Now, did you use, I mean, I, I know you did because I read the book, but people do think about Match.com and Harmony and all those other things. Um, you used some of that and other J-Date. How did that actually work out in real life for you? You know, everything's a process in life. You know, like I, I, like I say in, in my chapter, Near Nipples, uh, when that guy John told me, you need to practice for when it's real and, and, it's, and it's right. You know, I, it's like a sport or whatever it may be. Everything you do just adds another Lego block, adds another piece to when you find the person that you think is the right one, that you're ready for it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a building process. And, and those websites, as hard as they could be, a lot of people lie on them. I hear a lot of women tell me that the guys are tough. Every single date, every single coffee I met just added another piece on me finding Betty said to me, Dennis, you have an uncanny ability to see you may think the, the woman. The we'll be right back, and we'll find out about the seminal moment when joy did come. Love, loss, and awakening. Don't go admit, anywhere. I'm inappropriate for my age. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit, because I am happy. Well, we are inappropriate for our age, and the question becomes, what is our age? A lot of people look at us, and they judge our age by the way they, what they see. And so in the second part of my show, uh, right here, Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth, we're going to talk to an expert on looking younger. Not philosophically, my friend. We're not going to decide whether we should do it, if it's right or wrong. We're just going to learn how to do it. You don't want to do it? Okay. But we'll tell you how to do it. Right now, we're looking at a different aspect of life. We're uh, speaking with the author, Dennis Freed, of Love, Loss, and Awakening. And he has a book that is really a journey, his own personal journey. We rarely hear this from men. We often have uh, experts and coaches on how to journal uh, in our own personal life on the air. But in this case, 
the journaling he did resulted in a wonderful book. And uh, you know what? We're going to make sure that you know how to get this book because if anybody has a situation where they are currently a caregiver or they just have had a loss and they're wondering, can they get back into the real world of love and awakening again? You're really going to want to read this book. Now, I'm very, very fortunate. At the moment, that's not my case. But I married 45 years. And I will tell you that by reading this book, it really did a lot for my husband, Dennis, because I gave him a lot of kisses, because you made me so much aware of the, the pain of loss at the beginning of the book and what people go through. So I actually personally thank you for that, and I would like everybody to know how to get the book. So Amazon is one way, but you also have a website. Can you tell everybody about your blog website? Yes, I have a Facebook page, uh, which is Love, Loss, and Awakening. And I also have a website, all one word, Love, Loss, and Awakening. Um, now you, those are the two places. So Love, Loss, and Awakening, that's all you have to know is the title of the book. Uh, and Freed, F-R-E-E-D. Dennis Freed, if you want to look him up as an author, on Amazon. Now, you are very involved, and your family is involved with something called Woman to Woman in honor of your wife. So again, before we get more deeply into your finding the joy. Just tell people about that because they may be very interested in it. Uh, Woman to Woman is a group that uh, helped my wife for seven years. It started in Mount Sinai uh, from Valley Goldfarb and, and Artem Ultrop to help women with gynecological cancers survive, especially women that have no support network. Support network is so big. Um, and now they're into, my wife was into holistic caring, um, you know, uh, a combination of, of you know, meditation and, and, and yoga and other, other items to assist with the medical portion of it. And uh, now they've opened up a, a small center for that in Mount Sinai and are branching all over the country through their networks uh, to help women with these gynecological cancers. Called Woman to Woman, phenomenal organization. Well, this is this is a wonderful, and I, I didn't even know that it existed, and I'm so happy that this show pulls out this information for all of our listeners. Now, again, uh, everybody should I tell you, this is a raw book. This guy does not pull any punches. And one of the things he does talk about in Love, Loss, and Awakening is sexuality and being able to regain his sexuality and and be with women after the love of his life was gone and after a long time of abstinence, too, because he wanted to be true to this wonderful woman. So is that something that, that you know, it's clearly not unique to you? But I could see with women, too, how getting back into a relationship from a social point of view could work, but from a sexual point of view, it becomes very, very resistant. It, was it just forcing yourself, having new experiences, meeting these 100 women? Or how did you get back in the game? Uh, this is a touchy topic. I mean, I almost didn't put it in the book. And uh, a young lady who was 26 who I used as a person on the book and then I heard Sting say, you must put your life on the line if you want to be a uh, artist. And I put it in. Um, you know, male sexuality is all connected to their ego and to their mind. And, you know, I went to doctors and they said it's all mental. Basically, you know, you're you're important. Even medicine doesn't work. Even Viagra and Cialis doesn't work. And, you know, the thing about a male is, you know, he really has to show himself when he's having sex. 
And if it ain't working, you're so embarrassed. Right, and everybody knows. And, I mean, everybody, the, the person knows, right? We can fake it, you can't. That's really what you're saying. Well, actually, guys can fake it, too. Uh, I learned to fake it, you know, because if you're wearing a condom and you ha- oh, no, the Cialis is working, um, you don't, you know, I don't know how deep I should get into this, but, you know, you can't orgasm. So, so, so let me ask you this. you got to get through this. Yeah, getting through it, again, was there a moment where you allowed yourself to let go? Is it just time? Because I think that it's very important for people to have hope. Well, two things on that. One is I I treated it like a sport. I'm an ice hockey player, and I treated it like you just had to keep doing it, keep refining it so you could get better. And number two is my book kept saying is, you know, finally when I met Lisa – you know, the woman that, you know, my new woman that um, let me be myself. And I'll never forget, she said to me, no pressure. I finally was able to explode against sexuality. And I, it was like a curtain was lifted off of me. And I finally had somebody that I could feel comfortable with again. So um, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy from, Yeah, let me just say from a woman's point of view. There are a lot of women out there who are alone. And they would see a fellow like you, and they would like to entice such a fellow and as, as a love mate, but also as a life mate. The one thing that you can do is take the pressure off. I mean, Lisa's great claim to fame with you after you dating hundreds was that she did not pressure you. So I think that's a wonderful, um, uh, a wonderful thing to, for women to learn who are looking for a guy. But let's get back to the moment before we, we finish this segment. I, I just want to uh, go to one thing on, on that, yeah. if yeah. you don't mind. It's really important. No, no. I, I had a friend that helped me through all this. We helped each other. She was 70 years of age, beautiful woman, law, a 10-year caregiver. And she was so like, I'm not going to find anybody. But I said, I, I don't want to use a name because I know if I can or not. I said, you will. Just be positive. And at 71 years of age, she found a guy again. You know, most women that age says, oh, I'm too old for this. You can do it. It can be done. I'm sorry, go that, ahead. No, no. I think that's a wonderful thing that I, that for people to know. Uh, because, you know, it's more than just what we teach people to uh, have successful aging. But one of the main things is a relationship. And on, honestly, we can talk about a little bit this on the other end of our segment Honestly, when it comes to relationships, we always say, well, if you have six friends, you'll live two years longer. That's true. There's actually uh, studies on this. But what we generally mean is friendship. Why? Because for the same reason you just said, we tend to write off the love relationship after a certain uh, age, and we say, okay, friends will be enough. Well, you know what, folks? That's maybe a second best. And we're here with Dennis Freed, author of Love, Loss, and Awakening. We're going to talk in a few seconds after our commercial, our inevitable commercials, uh, about how he did find that love. I don't want you to leave us, Dennis, without the happy ending. Because there is a happy ending. Very realistic one. Don't go away. All will be revealed. We'll be right back. I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit, because I am happy. 
and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Hello, 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 and this is Adrian Bird. And I cultivate being inappropriate for my age. Um, I will be 68 in September, for those of you who don't already know that, since I tell the whole world all the time, probably do know. And this is a wonderful show. This show is a show that celebrates aging. And uh, we're going to celebrate it even more in a moment with our uh, guest author, Dennis Freed. But I do want you to know that there's even more evidence, there has been for a long time, but even more evidence that a busy schedule aids the aging brain from aging less. Keeping up with the hectic pace of modern life can be a real headache. But after all, the busyness might be healthy for your brain. And where does this come out from? It's a study that was actually published in Variety. Uh, I think that's a hoot to begin with. Why would I read Variety? Because you may or may not know that my daughter is 24, is in L.A., and she's a casting director uh, for, for TV. But scientists have measured brain function of busy people who are older and busy people who are younger and also people who do less. And they have discovered that the greatest effect was seen on episodic memory. The ability to recall specific past events and current events is much better for people who are busy. And this comes from the Frontiers in Aging Neuroscience article. Uh, That's a scientific journal, and Variety has decided to publish this. So I, I just, look, you know that, right? Am I telling you anything that's new? No, I don't think so. Get out there and simply be inappropriate for your age. Now, uh, let's get back to Dennis Freed, Love, Loss, and Awakening, Misadventures on the Way Back to Joy. Uh, we know now that we have a very forthright uh, gentleman here who started journaling. The journal became a book uh, about the loss of his wife, his seven years of caregiving, but the seminal moment that he started to live, go out, date over 100 women, and then found one. And Before we go, go any further, we will talk, Dennis, about... Uh, the issue of women not wanting to show themselves because they're older and they, they don't feel like they're competing. But before we do, I do want to talk about Lisa for a moment because there's a happy ending here, but it's a realistic happy ending. How did you meet Lisa and how did you know that she was the, the second one? Um, well, now I'm giving away the end of the book. But uh, <laughs> um, if you believe in spirituality away. I believe my first wife really set it up and it was through, through a mutual friend. And that's in the last couple of chapters. We had a mutual yeah. friend, which set us both up and that's how I met her. Yes. So you had a messenger and I find that very interesting I, I too. So. Yeah. I find that very interesting too, because of how many people you dated that you didn't know that didn't come from a mutual friend or a referral or, or, you know, just that you met in the grocery store, but that you did online. Uh, and yet those, as you said and, and explained to everybody, was kind of your practice sessions to be ready for the real one. Now, now you had mentioned to me during the break, Dennis, um, your 70-year-old female friend that mentored you a little bit, but you mentored her too. And you, you kind of wanted to, to let women know that just that age itself should not be a common denominator for how they present themselves. They shouldn't be shy because of aging. Can you tell us that story and how you, you kind of pep-talked her and you were her coach? Uh, we met in a uh, grieving group. Um, 
and uh, we were both very disenchanted, a very famous one, but I won't mention it. And uh, we were very disenchanted with the way they were trying to get us through this and everybody telling their sob stories and getting deeper and deeper. And, and uh, you know, we started going out for dinners afterwards and talking. And I kept telling her, you know, go buy a new outfit. Go get makeup. Go have your friend, your daughter, go to, you know, a department store. Go make yourself up and then go on um, – on um, the website, uh, um, I can't think of the name of it offhand, where you, uh, where you go in different groups. It's, it's in New York City and all over the country. Oh, yes, yes. Meetup. I think you may mean Meetup. Meetup, yes. yes. I said, go on Meetups. Go find your interests. I said, that's what I'm doing. And she started doing that. Believe it or not, she went on one of these Meetups and she saw a guy and she, she emailed him afterwards and said, she took me, she goes, would you like to meet? And the guy said yes, and, you know, after that now, it's been a year for them. They're madly in love. Uh, but she took the initiative because, you know, a lot of guys, too, are very leery, you know, especially if they have some money with them. You know, they're very, you know, everybody hears these horror stories, and um, and uh, they're, um, they're, you know, you know, it's the woman could do it, too, and be, to, this is, the, you know, the new age. So oh, let me talk about something that you just mentioned. I um, explained to my audience, and I explained to you also, that I volunteer. I volunteer in an uh, organization called Good Grief, but this is grieving children. However, most of the facilitators, like myself, lost a spouse. I did not, but they did. And I read part of your book to them as a ritual that we do. Everybody has to bring something once a week. It's a little ritual for the facilitators, not the kids. And let me tell you what happened, Dennis. In every single case of the men and women who lost a spouse, when they began to discuss it, the word that came out of their mouth was trust. They had a lot of trouble trusting other people. They had less trouble having feelings for other people but they never made the relationships whole and complete because they couldn't trust them. They didn't know why. These were not people that showed a lack of trust. Like you say, the men were worried that the women only wanted them for the money or whatever it was, or the women were worried that uh, the men would use them and then leave them. They couldn't get over that trust, and yet they had completely trusted their first spouses. Do you think this is a matter of age, experience, fear, what does trust mean to you and your ability to be able to trust Lisa and vice versa? I go, I go through that deeply in the book. I mean, every widow, widower I've spoken to, that is the one thing that is so hard to rebuild. You know, what is trust? What is marriage? What is partnership? All it is is years of experiences together that, you know, after 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you know, you both had the same common goal, to grow old together, to be able to retire, some kind of comfort. And also you have common kids that, you know, you're going to want to be with, that grandchildren trust is all this together that you're not going to ruin it for each one of, it, each one of you. And, yes, you fight, you have your arguments, but that trust is a decade of building. And that is the hardest thing for everybody to to, you know, everybody I've met to get through. And, you know, Lisa and I are building it. It's her equally with me. You know, we both are starting to trust each other. 
But just like with my first wife, it's going to take decades. Um, you know, you slowly build it and build it and build it. Uh, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's just like the first time. You know, the only difference with the first time is, like, I, 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 I married my wife, I think it was 22 or 23. I always get my ages mixed up. And, you know, you, you were ignorant back then because we were both poor. We didn't have much money. You know, we were struggling, and we bought a home at 23. The carpet, we didn't change for 10 years. <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't have the money back then that, you know, that you have when you're 58, 50, well, I'm 58 now, that, you know, so you don't want to lose it to somebody because you hear all the horror stories. You know, you, you, you hear Paul McCartney, who's our, all our ages, you know, look what happened to right. him. So, you, you have less less to to fear when you're younger because, frankly, uh, you have less to be taken with regard to. Right. Particularly you have financial. nothing to be taken in my case. So. Exactly. Um, well, you know, right now before we leave, I, I know that there are people who are listening to this that realize. By the way, I just want you to know, guys, this is one of the – this is not a big book. This is a book. It has 70 pages. Of course, it's small type, but it does have 70 pages. It's a beautifully easy-to-read book. It's one of those books that could change the way you think. And the minute you change the way you think, you change your life. No question about that. We know this to be true. And from his honesty about the fact that he was told to shave his chest, which is really a hilarious moment in the book, uh, to his honesty about pain, uh, you know, uh, it's a worth it's a worthwhile book. But I do want you to know that it's not just for people who are going through a loss or haven't had a loss. I got a lot out of this book in appreciation of my own long marriage and my wonderful husband, who I sometimes yell at, like, almost constantly. It's called Love, Loss, and Awakening. It's by Dennis Frieden. It's on Amazon. And, Dennis, just tell us once more about your website. Give us the website. Uh, the website is lovelossandawakeningoneword.com. And also I'm on Facebook, too, Love, Loss, and, and Awakening. And the name of the organization uh, that you and your family are involved with for women with cancer. It's called Woman to Woman from Mount Sinai. There's a couple of women to women. This is the one at Mount Sinai Hospital. Woman to Woman. So we thank you so much. We cannot appreciate more what you've done, and we are waiting for the next book, kiddo. So uh, it's going to be gonna do it. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Emperor. Come back. Get beautiful. We'll see what's going on in the news when it comes to age. Don't go anywhere. Inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. Da da da. That doesn't bother me not even a bit. Cause I am happy. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and I cannot believe that this is our last segment for this week. Uh, this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. And one of the major truths about aging is that we are ageist. We are, it is probably the only prejudice we have very strongly against ourselves. And one of the reasons that we are ageist is the way we look. Now, I have had a, a little bit of a disappointment, and I feel very terrible because our wonderful author, um, Leslie Goodson, who was going to be on our show, and she is the author of my favorite book, when it comes to looking younger. It's called Breaking the Age Code. And I do want to tell you about that book. The subtitle is Young Skin for Life, and we'll have her on. But she, I just got word from her a publicist that she's actually in the hospital. And uh, I'll find out more about it because even though I don't know her, I feel like she's a friend. She has written a book that I actually keep on my coffee table. 
for myself and everybody to see. And it's very rare because this is a book about Botox. It's a book about vampire facials. It's a book about skin aging and crepiness and products and what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, this is not Proust. This is a book about looking younger. And yet it's one of the three that I keep on my coffee table. The other ones have to do with spirituality and philosophy and things that you would expect somebody to show off that they read. But I have never seen anything so scientifically correct that tells it like it is. And more importantly, it isn't about looking younger per se. It's about looking your best self. And so to get the information that you would need, you really have to get it from the Goodson's mouth. And I do want you to know as early as possible that this book exists. It really isn't gay. You know, all the big-name doctors, they put something out, and the next thing you know, it's on the bestseller list. And what they're doing is they're selling their stuff. Uh, or they're telling you to get shot in the face or whatever. But this is different. This tells you exactly how the skin operates, exactly why it gets older, exactly the different phases of what it does, from crepiness to wrinkles to redness to to sagging. The things that we really see are, are a compendium of a different variety of veils of the skin. And she shows you very, very logically what to do about it with and without a dermatologist, with and without cosmetics, with and without um, touch-ups. It's called Breaking the Age Code, Young Skin for Life. So if you've been thinking about it, you don't know what to do, go to Amazon and get that. We will certainly have her on, and we wish her well, and we wish her health. But it also is giving me a couple of minutes to tell you some of the things I save up for you. If you don't know, I am consistently looking at everything that's being written about successful aging. And because I have such wonderful guests, I often just don't have the time to tell you all the things that we found. But I want to show you what's trending right now. Uh, the, the biggest trend, and we began to talk about this a little bit earlier, I gave you a snippet about it, uh, is uh, the issue of being able to stay home. Now, we always knew that aging in place is what people wanted. They wanted to stay in their home, stay in their community if they couldn't stay in their home. And they wanted to be able to fix their home. Uh, in order to be able to age in place. And I mentioned that the Bipartisan Policy Center, uh, yes, we do have in this country uh, Democrats and Republicans that actually work together. There's only three of them, no. uh, but the Bipartisan Policy Center is one of them. And they have established a senior health and housing task force. Uh, and we have uh, articles being written all over the place by members of that, Henry uh, Cisneros, Mel Martinez, they are both former secretaries of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. And um, uh, 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 Allison Schwartz and Vin Weber, they're former members of the U.S. House of Representatives. So it's our administrators and our Congress folk that have gotten together, putting together a project uh, so in private investment for specific kinds of aging in place housing. You're living at home but you're coordinating care in your home. And uh, the new bill that's out right now would actually give tax breaks uh, and tax credits to builders who would build what they call coordinate care housing. Now, what's this all about? It's not just about us being able to age better. 
it's not just about making models for people who can afford to do this privately, doing it in their own home, but it's also about saving Social Security and Medicare. We mentioned before in the latest report, the 2015 report, that the disability income portion of Medicare, of Medicare or Social Security is bankrupt. Uh, it will be by fourth quarter of this year, and money is going to be coming from the general obligations of the United States government, meaning floating more debt. Social Security itself, the paycheck you get every month, uh, it depends on who you talk to. President Obama, uh, I was there at, uh, in July 2015 at the White House Conference on Aging when he said that the program is safe until 2042. Bernie Sanders believes that uh, the program can go on for another 19 years. The trustees say it's got another 10 years. Some people say it's gone already. Uh, but the point is it's in jeopardy. So anything and any approach that can save money makes a difference. And I have been wanting to tell you that we've done extensive research with regard to what the candidates think. So I'll give you a quick rundown before the end of our show, and I think you should be considering what they have to say. So Bernie Sanders, still a candidate, uh, has a bill. He's the only one with a bill in uh, Congress right now. It's being reviewed by the uh, Committee on Finance, which says that the payroll deductions will continue to be taken even for people who earn over $118,000. Payroll deductions for Social Securities stop at 118000 because you will not get your money back. It's supposed to be a program that you're paying in for yourself. Above that, you're not going to get any money. But in his bill, you we continue to take it uh, up to people earning 250000 a year. Uh, Donald Trump, he says not enough people are paying into Social Security because they don't have jobs. We'll get more jobs. We'll get more money into Social Security. He also says there's a lot of fraud, and he will stop fraud and abuse. That's his idea for saving Social Security. Uh, Mrs. Clinton, uh, she says that the prescription drugs are too high. We're going to crack down on the prescription drug companies. We're going to expand Social Security for some widows. But we will also, as Trump says, interesting that they both agree, we're also going to crack down on fraud and abuse. So I will not say that there are the most concrete proposals out there, but in this case, we have a rare opportunity to say that our three candidates actually agree with each other. Social Security needs to be resolved. Meanwhile, make sure you don't. Get out there, kids, and make it happen. 